1: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi,
3: I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah.
4: And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.dork. Change.dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself.
3: Listen to our podcast, How Did
2: We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In 2009, Gretchen Rubin's breakout book, The Happiness Project, became a New York Times number one bestseller and revolutionized the way people approach personal development. Over the last decade, she has taken her approach to creating a happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative life off those pages and into the daily lives of her readers and listeners throughout through her books, blog, podcasts, online courses, and weekly newsletter. Gretchen Rubin, hi. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. And as you guys know, it's Friday, so Chip is also here.
6: Good morning.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Gretchen, I was prepping for this podcast and I was thinking, is she like the guru of happiness? (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I hope so. That'd be great. (laughs) I know your sister, um, she calls you, what is is her name for you? The happiness bully. The happiness Uh, bully. Did you ever... because if there's a
0: way for you to get happier um, that I think uh, I've identified, I can get pretty insistent. So she's okay. <laughs> sometimes been um, the innocent bystander of that energy, I would say. It's does all, she it's, not want to be happier? <laughs> she does. But, you know, it can it can be a lot. Right, um, right. Sometimes you just as soon uh, not have somebody, um, you know. Uh, one of the things I love to clear clutter uh, and especially other people's clutter because it's so much easier when it's not yours Obviously, and so yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm always like when I go to her house she's very she's very messy she would be the first to say and so you know I remember one time I we completely did her office and then when it came for me to go to the airport I was like you're glad to see me go <laughs> very sincerely but I'm so happy you came.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you need to meet my one, my best friend from college, Sarah, uh, who's a listener. So she'll hear this. She loves to straighten my place when she comes here. Yes. And it's like such a gift. Yes. And I know it's not a burden to her. Yes. So I don't complain. No. It's, <laughs> so Sarah, it, come back soon.
0: It's so much easier when it's not your stuff because you right. don't have any emotional ties to it. And so right. it's very, it's so straightforward and it's so satisfying Um, When it's your own stuff, there's so many more questions and so much more indecision and um, strange emotions. Like there's some hideous sweater. If it's your hideous sweater, I'm like, that's a hideous sweater. Put it in the donate pile. But if I bought it but I never used it then I'm like but maybe I should wear it and why did I spend so much money and sure it was on sale but I made a mistake and maybe I could wear it with those blue pants and and yada 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 just your hideous sweater that is that's easy
2: (laughs) a lot easier to let go of we're (laughs) actually going to talk about how clutter affects happiness in a little bit but I want to know why happiness Mm. does you think that your ever life your life would ever just become about teaching other people how to find happiness Mm.
0: Oh, it's about teaching myself how to find out, okay. I would say. Research <laughs> is me-search for me. Um, other people that. are just p- potentially the benefactors, but it's all its all for me. Um, no, yeah, I started my career in law. So I was actually clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor when I decided that I wanted to be a writer. So then I switched to being a writer, and um, I was finishing up uh, a biography of JFK that I was writing. When I got, I was stuck in a city bus in the pouring rain. And I thought, what do I want from life anyway? And I thought, well, I wanna be happy. But I realized I didn't spend any time thinking about whether I was happier. What I thought happiness was. Is mm. it possible to make yourself happier? And I thought, you know, I should have a happiness project. And I ran out to the library, got a giant stack of books uh, the next day, which happens to me all the time. I'll get very preoccupied with the subject and I'll do a ton of research and writing on it. But happiness just got bigger and bigger. And first it was just for me, my own happiness project. And then I finally, I was like, this is so fascinating. There's so many things I want to learn and try and explore. Maybe this should be my next book. So I wrote that book and then I'm like, but this subject is so fascinating. It's leading me in all these different directions. So then I wrote a book about habits, because if you're talking about a happy life, habits play a a huge role. A lot of times, you know, what would make you happier. You just don't do it. Mm. That gets you to a habit question. I wrote a book about how to be happier at home, because it's hard to be happy if you're not happy at home. I wrote a book. My most recent book is Life in Five Senses, because I realized that tapping into the five senses is such a such an engine of happiness for us and and connection and memories and energy and calm and creativity, everything. It's like the Swiss army knife tools, your five senses. Um, and so I just keep going sort of deeper and deeper into this idea of happiness in human nature. I did not expect that when I yeah. <laughs> um, went to the library that first day, but that's how it turned out. Well, well I mean, it's
6: an ongoing process. too. Yes. So it's oh, like right. f- oh. for you to achieve your happiness or retain it, I guess it's like you got to keep doing that me search.
0: <laughs> yes. And there's always there's always new. It's funny because I'll feel like, wow, if I sort of explored everything, I'm going to explore. It. And then a whole huge section of the library lights up. Like with when I had my realization about the five senses, I was like, I and then and then looking back at my earlier books, I saw that like I was groping toward it. Like I had a whole thing about smell and my book, Happier at Home. And in 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 in, uh, in my book better than before, that's about habit change, there were so many habits that were related to kind of managing sensory surroundings and sensory overload. but i I didn't I, I didn't identify it as a category. And once I was like, oh, this is the category, mm. then all the all, all these new things came into view. It's very exciting um, when that happens.
2: Yeah, I love that you say an atmosphere of growth is the key Mm. to a happier life. Because when we were first discussing having you on even, our topic this month is housekeeping. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we've talked a little bit about the physical aspects of housekeeping and what Mm -hmm. that looks like. But a lot of it is just this internal deep dive. And a lot of times we get just going in our life. And we don't really pay attention to those things. So why does an atmosphere of growth play a part in our happiness, do you think?
0: You know, it's just this this aspect of human nature where we are happier when we're growing. And maybe that's because we're improving something. Maybe we're fixing something. Maybe we're teaching something. Maybe we're learning something. Maybe we're um, helping something to move forward. But in some way, having that atmosphere of growth makes us happier. And the interesting thing about the atmosphere of growth is it's something that we can control. So let's say everything in your life is kind of is, is going wrong. You know, we all have had periods where you're like every, there's something bad in every area of my life. But one thing you can do is with the atmosphere of growth is you can say, okay, what within my control, what is something that I can, where I can grow? Can I learn a new skill? Can I get a certification? Can I clean out my pantry? Can (laughs) I, you know, clean out my clothes closet sometimes, you know, over and over, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like even a slight uh, growth, Mm -hmm. Gives us this disproportionate sense of energy and good cheer. Um, Cleaning out your email inbox, going through your digital photos, like make finally making that photo album for your parents' anniversary party that you promised them that you would do. You just get that done. And it just it just it it, it, it is a source of uh, just a good feeling. um, And it's one that we can control.
2: Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to the next question I wanted to ask, because I want to know exactly what is happiness, Mm. because what you just described are these tiny little things that we can do for growth that could make us happy. But I think a lot of times when I associate happiness, like a true level of happiness is when you look at someone who just might have this, you know, all the stuff going on or all the success, or they've really hit this point in their life where you're like well surely they're happy but that's part of your story isn't it like you looked at your life you had the husband the kids the job and you were like i'm happy but could i be happier exactly so, so what is happiness
0: okay so i started my career in law as i said and uh i spent an entire semester arguing about the definition of contract and happiness is an even more elusive concept there are like okay. 15 academic definitions of happiness okay. and i decided I wasn't going to worry about it and because people want to say, is it happiness? Is it joy? Is it satisfaction? Is it contentment? Is it peace? Is it bliss? And I'm like, and the more I thought about it, it just, it just, it it was not making me happy. And what, so, and you know, if you're a scientist doing scientific research, you have to like very precisely define your terms. But I think for the average person, it can become very confusing and in a way, very um, uh, kind of sterile exercise to, to worry about too much what it is. I think it's more helpful to think about how can I be happier? Whatever it is, my conception and your conception of it can be different from mine. Whatever our conception is individually, can I be happier? This today, next week, next month, next year, are there things that I can do, concrete, manageable things that I can do in my everyday life that will make me happier? And that is usually very clear to people like that. They're like, that I get. And one of the things that the research shows is about 50% of happiness, however you might define it is genetically determined. So some people are born Tiggers, some people are born Eeyores, that's hardwired. (laughs) Then like 15 to 20% is something called life circumstances. So this is age, income, health, marital status, work. um, And then the rest is very much influenced by our conscious thoughts and actions. And so when I talk about, can we be happier? That's what I'm really focused on is like, don't worry about your dopamine levels. You know, don't worry about like, is bliss different from joy, different from satisfaction? But just say, like, well, with your conscious thoughts and actions, what are some things you could think of to be happier? Like in the housekeeping area? Like, what would I do? What could I do that I that I'm pretty confident? Cause usually we are have a pretty good sense that mm-hmm. something is likely to make us happier. To me, that's just that's what I like to think about more.
2: Yeah. What I was gonna say, what is the importance of asking yourself if you're happy or unhappy? Oh. Hugely important, yeah. Okay, why is that?
0: Well, I think for a lot of people, it's just easy never even to think about it. I mean, I never thought about it until that day. I I, so if you don't think about it, you know, you're unlikely to hit a target if you don't aim at it. And Mm -hmm. if and what I find is that the minute somebody says like, "Well, what could I do to be happier?" they think of many many things. Like, and you know, but it's very easy in kind of the tumult of everyday life to not think about like, "Wow, our mornings are really chaotic." Like, Mm -hmm. I really started out the day stressed. Uh, Everybody's sniping at each other. Like, what are some things that I could do to make the morning calmer? And then once you say to yourself, I would be happier if I had a calmer, more peaceful, more harmonious morning, then it's like, okay, well... Are there things that you could do with your conscious thoughts and actions? And you're like, well, I, if I got up 20 minutes earlier, I could get myself organized and have a cup of coffee before the re- rest of my mm-hmm. family woke up, and that would make me calmer. Or if I chose my outfit the night before, then I wouldn't be in this panic of indecision and annoyance that morning. Or if I got everything organized, I'm a person who leaves stuff like all over the house. If I got everything ready by the front door so I could just pick up my sunglasses, my keys, my charger, you know, my badge, all that stuff on the way out, I could do it then, you know, I could put my I could put my medication by the coffee pot. So I can't have my first cup of coffee until I take my medication and I never miss my first cup of coffee. So now I'm going to do much better managing my heart, you know, my blood pressure because I'm going to consistently take my medication. And so now this nagging feeling that I have that I'm not taking care of my health consistently is going to go away. There, so there's a lot of things once you stop to say, well, are there ways that I could be happier? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some places in my life where... Um, there's low hanging fruit. And for most of us, there's a lot of low hanging fruit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Would you say that the, the number one thing that gets in the way of our happiness is busyness, unawareness? I'm picking up a couple different things from what you just said. What would you mm. say the number one thing that gets in the way of our happiness is? Oh,
0: what a great question. I don't know. I think it's probably different for different people and maybe in different stages of their lives. I mean, okay. I think for people who are kind of in the rush hour of life, it's probably the feeling like I don't have enough time for all the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, it might be loneliness. You know, if you had to pick the secret to happiness, um ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists agree that it's relationships and Mm. so anything that deepens or broadens our relationships is likely to make us happier and when people are in periods in their lives where they feel like they don't have enough friends or they're not connecting with their friends or maybe they don't have a romantic partner and they really want one for some people it's even like not having a dog like some people they just need like animal companionship in their life and if they don't have it you know if they're like in an apartment building that doesn't take dogs and they're like I can't I have to have a dog.
2: Yeah. Um
0: you know I feel bereft. So I think for different people it might be it might be very different.
6: What what do you think I was going to ask like because personally for me sometimes when I start to think about like what I can do to make myself happier I face a fear of admitting that I'm not happy because Mm. I'm generally like a really happy person that Mm -hmm. I get that feedback from people like, how are you always so happy? And it's Mm. so I I don't want to ever admit that I'm not happy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you like in your research? Is there anything that has spoken to that? Like the fear of admitting unhappiness?
0: Yeah, I think that goes to identity where you've been tied to this identity of a happy Mm -hmm. person. So it almost feels like you're you're contradicting contradicting like a deep, uh, important identity or you're violating other people's identity, which they may also be very invested in. Um, my father um, is a very, very happy person. And I have to say that I really, really took it for granted. And it was only after I had done a lot of research into happiness that I realized like, how skillful that is and how demanding that is to be the person that's happy and how that kind of person often becomes a buffer for other people's bad feelings. They become a source of energy that others draw on and that others may count on. And that it is a very, very demanding position. And maybe it might be a Um, an unwelcome identity in some Mm. ways where you're like, if I have to be the happy one, that's like lifting everyone's spirits. That's a lot of work for me. Um, So again, I think that, you know, stepping back and just saying, you know, could I be happier and what might be in the way um, isn't saying you can still be a very happy. I I remember talking to a friend who really suffers from depression and she said, I'm a very happy person who suffers from depression. And she <laughs> said, some people don't understand how that's possible. And I'm yeah. like, I exactly understand how that's possible. So, so, and, and also one of the things that research shows about ha- happiness and unhappiness is it's not a seesaw. Like right. you can be experiencing a lot of things at the same time.
2: Oh, that's um, and so
0: And so that makes perfect sense to me, but it might be that you would want to think through that a little bit for yourself. And maybe if other people are sort of like, like, what's up with you? Like, you're the happy guy, like being like, well, you know what I can, I can be the happy guy, but even for the happy guy, um, you know, I'm struggling with something or I'm frustrated by something, or I'm thinking through something, um, so that you don't get boxed into that identity.
2: I also like that a lot of your points about the initial question to ask are not to say like, am I happy or unhappy? It's, am I happy, but could I be happier? So you're never really like attaching the word unhappy to that.
0: Well, and I also think it's, it's like very hard to know. Like I, when I started the happiness project, I have a friend, you know, like works for a big tech company, super scientific guy. And he's like, okay, what you should do is you should have your husband rate you on a one to 10 scale every morning and every night. And then you'll see if you make (laughs) progress. And I was like, first of all, have you met my husband? No way. Um, That would not be the happy marriage. And then (gasps) some people, I'm like, I don't even know. Like I get very anxious when people say like, what's your happiness on a one to 10 scale? I'm like, I have no idea what that means. I mean, if you're very unhappy, you know, like, of course you do. And and if you're very happy, you know, but usually I think for most of us, we live in a place where it's like, it's kind of hard to tell. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, I I find that very confusing to think about. Whereas if I think about, is this going to make me happier or less happy? That feels clear. So I like thinking about it that way. It just feels, just feels more, more graspable.
2: Yeah. In the book, The Happiness Project, you come up with these 12 commandments for your happiness project. And they're all, I like them because it's similar to what you've already said, where sometimes The next right step or the small action is the thing that's going to change your happiness level. So you say, be Gretchen, let it Mm go, act the way I want to feel, do it now, be polite and be fair, enjoy the process, spend out, identify the problem, lighten up, do what ought to be done. No calculation. There is only love. So as I was reading this list initially, I thought how much of our happiness is actually in our own mind and controllable by just the shift of a narrative.
0: Well, as I said, 50% is genetic, 10 yeah. to 20% is life circumstances. So there's some things that we very much can control and, and reframing is a great one. And, you know, working on, uh, just our daily habits, like that's what we can do. But I don't think, I think when people say like, oh, you know, you just have to make up your mind to be happy. Yeah. I'm like, that's not very realistic. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it probably could be done, but it's not the kind of thing that most people could be could do. And then, you know, also one of the things that's confusing to people is sometimes they think that because I'm always talking about happiness, that my idea is that everybody should be 10 on the one to 10 scale, 24 (laughs) seven. And that is what we're all aiming for is to be perfectly happy at all times. That is not realistic. And it wouldn't even be a good life because, of course, there are times when you want to feel sorrow and there are times when you feel, want to feel righteous anger. And there are times when you want to feel guilt and regret and remorse. These are important emotions for us to feel. And so, a good life isn't a life that's only positive emotions, it's a life where we're as happy as we can be, given our circumstances and our surroundings. Because why not be as happy as you can be? But Mm -hmm. if you're like, okay, I work for a boss who's like really cruel and really mean to me and like, you know, is like making me feel terrible and I've got a target on my back. It's like, okay, the point is not to make you feel like, oh, this is great. It's to say, okay let's think about what, let's identify the problem. What is the problem? What, you know, to understand it and to use those negative emotions constructively, Mm -hmm. um, because to spur action when they should spur action. And then if you're just like, okay, I'm ruminating in the middle of the night going over and over and over the same thing. And that's what's draining me and bringing me down. It's like, okay, well, that's not constructive. So what is a way to turn that to, um, you know, to something where it can, it can be constructive for you or stop being a negative.
1: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
5: Attention, all you 20 somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating, to surviving and thriving in a daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some so grab your headphones because you're about to get real raw and a little ridiculous and let's face it life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together it's time to embrace the chaos so don't miss out on the laughs the tears and the inevitable existential crisis listen to the new season of crying in public on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
2: yeah i mean ship and i talk about this all the time too if you don't feel the bad feelings how would you know what the good ones actually feel like either well, this is a really interesting question. and I
0: keep <laughs> meaning to ask like the scientific folk about this. OK, there's kind of a belief that like if you don't feel high highs, you, if you don't feel low lows, you won't feel high highs.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure that I agree with that. Chip, if
0: okay. you're a guy who you sounds like you score high on the genetic lottery.
4: <laughs> I, I, I mean, did. I've
0: met people point, like he I did. don't think that they do feel low lows. I mean, they feel that they would feel a low low if 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 something bad happened, like they would feel low, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's like either you have a wide range or you have a narrow range. I think that's some people just bounce up and stay up. Yeah. More. So I've I i, I I've wondered about that myself. Like, is that true? Because sometimes people almost justify like, oh, I have all these terrible, terrible feelings, right. but if I didn't have these terrible feelings, I wouldn't have wonderful feelings. And I'm like, I don't know that I, I don't know that I think that's so
6: I, well, you're I mean, saying. I guess the inverse, too, if if you're a person that is just prone to depression, mm-hmm. you're going to the depression is going to be more prevalent in your life, probably than happiness. So it's mm-hmm. just not e it's not the seesaw. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's more about appreciating the highs. Yes, don't if you don't, yes. if you don't um, yes. allow yourself to be sad in the moments where sadness is the most natural feeling, because um, I am one of those people that tends to like be like, well, you know, she's in a better place, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like be sad. Yeah. Your grandmother died. Like, right. yeah. let's all cry together or whatever right. the situation mm-hmm. is. right? Um, because it's like, you don't want to, in, in the same way, you don't want to steal someone's joy. You don't want to steal someone's sadness either. So true. Yeah, so true. because they need to grieve.
0: I mean, one of the most important things that I re- I've actually read it in a parenting book. So it's a book aimed at the parents of preschoolers, like greatest parenting book of all time called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Such a great book. But one of the things that they say is acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. So if a kid says, um, I'm hungry, you don't say, you're not hungry, you just ate. And Mm. if they say, uh, I don't like going to grandma's house, you don't say, of course you love love grandma. Of course you love going to grandma's house. Or I'm scared of clowns. You don't say, you're not scared of clowns. Clowns are fun. Because it's like, why would you deny the reality of their feelings? And the fact is, this works just as well for adults, is that you need to acknowledge the reality of other people's feelings. And if it's like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really angry at you because like, I waited for the cable guy all all day and you forgot to tell me that the appointment was canceled or whatever. It's like, instead of being like, well, it's no big deal. You were going to be home anyway. It's to be like, wow, that must've been really frustrating because Mm -hmm. it's just acknowledging the reality of what people feel. And if they're feeling deep sorrow to allow them to feel deep sorrow, instead of like trying to cheer them up out of it right yeah, um, yeah. yeah but i it's agree it's very tempting it's very tempting to say to people oh no there's a way to look at this mm-hmm. so it's all good
6: well i think um, it's i know from my personal experience when i do it it's so that i'm not uncomfortable in the situation yes. oh 100 it's a self-preservation thing yeah
0: well in my book so my most recent book is called life in five senses and so it goes through the senses and in the the um the chapter on the sense of hearing, I did a manifesto for listening because I'm not a very good listener. And so it was all the things I wanted to remind myself. And that, what you say is exactly, it's on my list because one of them is allow like allow painful silences to fall. Don't interrupt when somebody's talking about something difficult. Because what I realized, and I just, I you can see how I might be inclined to do it from what I just said a minute ago, If somebody was talking about something painful, I would immediately give a book book recommendation. Oh, you're getting a divorce. Here's the best book. Everybody says this is the most helpful book about divorce. You're having trouble with your child. Read this book. This is a book about child friendships. You'll find it so helpful. Instead of, it's like email them that later. But right now the person is trying to express a painful emotion. And I was trying to get them onto like more safe territory instead of allowing them to say, I'm really worried about my son. He's having all right. these problems in school. He's having problems with his friends, and like, allow that to like, just sit with that instead of trying to constantly move away. So I think I think it's 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 like a lot of things. It's it's easier said to, than done to do the kind of the thing that's going to really um, help you to connect with other people.
2: Why do you think that's so difficult for us? Like as a society, are we programmed to just think we have to feel happy all of the time? I've just been thinking a lot about like empathy, the empathy piece in our society right now. And I'm wondering what the tie is there. Like if we can't understand how someone else is feeling, are we just so uncomfortable with them feeling bad? And we're like, we got to get out of this. We've got to be happy.
0: An interesting question. I, mm. it, it, it's funny because I think two things are happening at once. Cause I think on the okay. one hand, I don't think people think about their happiness nearly enough. They don't okay. really think about it. They don't really step back and say like, well, identify the problem. Why? Why am I not happy? Like, yeah. What? What are the Like, maybe you're not happy because you're just exhausted all the time because you stay up till two o'clock every morning binge watching back episodes of Grey's Anatomy. You know, right. and like <laughs> if you just got enough sleep, you might feel a lot better. And so, like the you know to make a very obvious fix. So I think on the one hand, they don't think about it enough. But then on the other hand, I do think that for some people, it's like, well, I need to. Um, and this comes up in a lot of different ways. The the kind of way you mentioned it, but then also kind of like, well, I can't be uncomfortable, and so I need to cut ties with anybody who um, is difficult. Okay. Or I can't be exposed to something that's going to make me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah so i i think there's a lot going on at once i think the world feels very chaotic right now and so maybe mm. some people feel like they need to shut down certain things that's in order true. to protect themselves yeah um and i think if that's the case for you you need to think about okay well how do i how do i manage my environment even my sensory environment um so that i feel like i can maintain um myself in a healthy way and yet Mm -hmm. also be like civically engaged and engage with people who may be difficult or going through problems, but that I still want to have in my life. Um, It's complicated.
2: It is. We talk about just the absorbing all the news that's happening all the time now and how that actually affects both of our happiness. Like we have to put boundaries up about what articles we're reading because it's everywhere, right? We open social media. It's, you're getting flooded with that. I open my email inbox. There's a million things from New York Times to anything right. else. You turn right. on the TV, all well, of that.
0: He, here are some just practical s- things for people to think about. One is turn okay. off notifications. Like if yes. something happens, like you'll find out you don't need to be notified like t- same day. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so turn off your notifications. Um. I'm a big fan of reading physical news. Like I still okay. get three newspapers delivered to my door every day. And like you could have objections to that, like from environmental reasons. But I do think it's much better to read the news in a physical form because then there's no comments and there's no endless scroll. It's like you read the newspaper mm-hmm. and then it's done. So it's not something that can take up three or four hours. Um, You might choose one news source and not have many of them. Like, you know, sometimes people have they have this one and this one and this one and this one. They just kind of go through them and see what's there. It's like if that if you feel like that that is. Um, draining you because we all I believe have a duty to be civically engaged and knowledgeable about what's happening in the world but a lot of times like you get that stuff pretty quick and you're getting drawn into the things that are kind of like potato chip news like the more you have the more you want it draws you in it gets you all fired up Um, another thing, like, you know, when you watch like news on TV or something like that, it has music, it's got cut, it's made to be emotional. It's made Mm -hmm. to like, really like get you very, very engaged. And that can be very draining. So as much as you can bring down that level so that you're really getting the facts and the information that you need from a source that you believe to be credible, but not with a lot of, um, stuff around it, um, If you so I would say, like, pick a few sources, not a lot of sources, don't get it off social media, go to a news site and get it from a credible news site. Um, If you feel very compelled by your phone and you kind of can't look away from your phone, try turning your phone to grayscale so that it's in black, white and gray instead of color. And you will find that you are very much less tempted to use your phone. It's much more cumbersome and less fun. To use a black and white phone. And if you have a kid who's always wanting to use one of your devices, turn your device to black, white, and gray. And you will see that and just tell your child that it broke. Just say it's broken. We can't get it <laughs> fixed. And um and uh and they will be less compelled by it as well. That's and so sometimes like sometimes we're like, I need to change my mindset. It's yeah. like it's really hard to change your mindset. But if you delete that app off your phone, I assure you, you will go to it far less. You can go yeah. to it on desktop if you want, or you can download it every time you need it. But if you don't, if it's not just a click away, are you going to go to it? Probably Mm -hmm. not.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the literal housekeeping of Mm. how this contributes to our happiness. Because in Outer Order, Inner Calm, you talk about clutter really contributing to unhappiness. Why? Okay.
0: Well, I have to make an important distinction because some people are clutter blind.
2: Like, this is my sister.
0: She's the co-host of the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast with me. And she's clutterblind. And for people who are clutterblind, and you probably know who they are, you know know if you are, like, they don't see it. The cabinet doors are open, the clothes are all over the place, and they just don't care.
2: Okay. Is that you, Chip? That that might (laughs) be me, too. Oh, okay. Well, so
0: in these people, they don't care. And so, like, on balance, it's nice for them when things are tidier, but it doesn't really bother them the way it would bother people who are not clutterblind. Oh, and I'm one of those people. Okay, And so, so for one thing is if you don't care, don't do it. There's no right? magic to it. If you don't like to make your bed, don't make your bed for a lot of people. Making their bed is like, is like the number one minor habit change that boosts their happiness. I don't know why, but people tell me that over and over make your bed. But if you feel like I don't care if I make my bed, or if you feel like it's a big waste to make my bed, I just unmake my bed every night. Or if you feel like, I grew up, I had to make my bed, and now I'm a grown-up, and I'm not going to. Right, It's <laughs> like, great. Don't. There's no magic to it. It's just that for many people, it does contribute to their happiness. If it does, then do it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. Now, you can get into um, conflict because a lot of times people who are clutterblind are sharing space with people who care. And so then you're like, then it's not just you. But I think what's different is instead of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, mm-hmm. or the right thing to do is to make your bed every day, you're wrong for not making your bed every day or not wanting to make your bed every day or forgetting to make your bed every day because you just don't care. It's that this is my preference and you have a different preference. So how do we create an environment where we both feel comfortable? Because if I walk in here and I feel like I can't sit down and relax unless i spend an hour tidying up because you've made such a mess in here that's not good for me. On the other hand, if you feel like i have an unrealistically high standard of how organized everything's going to be and so you feel like why am i living why am i being trapped in all these bureaucratic red tape rules in my own house, <laughs> it's like okay, let's let's talk about that and like how do we come up with rules that we feel like we can both live with? But in my observation, a lot of times people want to say, "Well, i'm right and you're wrong." And so mm-hmm. i have to convince you which, by the way, you're not going to, right? Because it's a matter of preference. Right. And so if you say like, why wow, it really annoys me that you never hang up your coat. It's like, what if we used hooks? Do you think you could put, could you put your coat on a hook? Because it's just that much easier. Or like, I don't like the way their shoes are all around the front door. Can I put a bin? And everybody puts their shoes in the bin. They're not taking them to their bedrooms and putting them in their closets, which would be my ideal. But would could you put them in a bin so they're at least like out of the way? And people are like, I could put them in a bin.
2: Mm-hmm. So right. it's
0: so so you can find um you can find because for many people like me, outer order contributes to inner calm and it's really important. And it's also a way like like I said, I'll go over to my sister's house and clear her clutter because she's clutter blind. She doesn't care. But there's all this beautiful low hanging fruit for me. I love it. <laughs> um, but if we live together, we would have to come up with a way that I wouldn't drive her bonkers and she wouldn't drive me bonkers.
2: Right. right. Well, you mentioned the hook, and I think that's an interesting transition because in Better Than Before, you just talk about habits and how much yeah. of our just daily habits yes. contribute to our happiness. Yes. So is it something as simple as that, like walking in the door, having the hook available so the new habit becomes hanging it on the hook? How does yeah. that work? Well, it's funny because... Um
0: so better than before is the 21 habit strategies that we can use to make or break our habits. And there's all these strategies. Some work well for every, just about everyone. Some work really well for some people, but not for others. So there's 21, okay. but one of the most universal ones, and it's really a pair, they're paired, is the strategy of convenience and the strategy of inconvenience. To a hilarious degree, we are most more likely to do something if it's even slightly more convenient. Like they did this study showing that people take less food from a buffet if you have to use tongs instead of spoons because a tong is just a little bit more work. And so, so anyway, oh so these little fixes, so you can use this because it's like, if it's slightly easier to use a bin than to put the shoes away, if it's slightly easier to use a hook than a hanger, you could really dramatically affect the, how, how, um, how much consistently people would stick to that habit and how mu- easy it would be to form that habit and keep it regularly. Of course, you can use it in the opposite way. Like, let's say there's something that you don't want yourself to do. So let's say you have a habit of like coming home every day and turning on the TV. And once the TV's on, you like stand there and then you sit down and then two hours go by. So it's like, okay, keep the remote control in another room on a high shelf. So if you run it, if you want to watch TV, you can go get that remote. It's not like you can't. It's just not so convenient. Or it's like if you don't people, somebody I was talking to a guy, he's like, it's terrible. I know it's terrible. I text while I drive, but you know, I just can't break the habit. How do I work on my motivation so that I don't text while I drive? I'm like, don't worry about your motivation. Put your car in the put your put your phone in the trunk.
4: Then oh. you you can, you can,
0: you can want to text all you want, but, but if you can't send, do it, if you leave it right there on the seat next to you, every time it pings, you're going to look at it. Like, right. don't work, don't work on your motivation and your mind work on your surroundings. It's so much easier. So strategy of convenience, strategy of inconvenience is, is, is a, is a great way to do that.
2: Out of the 12 commandments that you wrote about in the happiness project, is there one that you feel just really was the one that changed your life?
0: Well, it's B Gretchen, which is okay. number one. And everybody has to substitute their own name. So right. B. Kelly B chip. Yes. Don't be Gretchen. Um, but it's really like <laughs> for I kind of want to be. <laughs> um for each of us, it's different. Our own our happiness project is different because we have different values, different interests, different situations. Uh, different challenges. And so, like for me, I had a whole, I do a lot of habits and 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 stuff related to reading because that's a really, really high value to me. But for somebody else, it might be about music and it might be about, mm-hmm. I want to go to more concerts and I want to practice my instrument and I want to like join, a, join or start a band and I want to listen to new music. Um, You know, and they might have a lot of habits and a whole happiness project related to that. And you know what? Well, well, part of Life in Five Senses, one of the things I figured out is what is my most neglected sense? Okay. Um, And there's a quiz if people want to know their most neglected sense. GretchenRubin.com slash quiz. It will tell you your most neglected sense. So my most neglected sense is taste. But I also know that my second most neglected sense is hearing. And I'm just really not a music person. But- And I did a lot to like tap more into my love of music as part of that project. But for many people, the most appreciated sense is the sense of hearing. And for a big reason of that is because of music, because so many people love music and it's such an important part of a happier life for them. But for me, not so much. Or like, I don't meditate. I've tried twice. It's just not a tool that works for me. (laughs) For other people, meditation is like a central aspect of what they would do. And so- Instead of saying, Gretchen, you must learn to meditate. You have to do it. Everybody says it works. If it doesn't work for you, you're doing it wrong or there's something wrong for you. It's like, I tried it. Didn't work for me. I tried it again. Didn't work for me. So I'm moving on. It's not part of what I want to do. But it, for somebody else, it could be crucial. Um, so we each have to figure out our own. So be Gretchen, be Kelly, be Chip is about think about yourself. Are you a morning person or a night person? Are you clutter blind or a simplicity person? You know, all, all these things. Um uh, have to be, you know, considered because uh, because we're each individuals.
2: Yeah, I love that because that is the that is the definition of housekeeping internally to me is to really get to know yes. yourself authentically. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So true. Well,
6: you- and it's it's tough right now. I mean, we live in a world now where, you know, everyone's trying to put everybody in boxes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's we're we're told we're being told by uh, the powers of being that we can't be ourselves. So mm. how how do we overcome that sort of external stimulation?
0: hmm Yeah, that's a really profound point because it is a challenge. It's funny because people are always being told to be authentic. And it's like, you're like, what does that even mean? I don't like, right. you know how it's to think about that. that. Yeah. Um, it is, I, I, think, I think that is the great challenge of our lives. I mean, yeah. I think there is no simple answer to that because it's very, very hard to know ourselves. We're, it's very easy to be influenced by the way we wish we were, you know, by the fantasy self, by the way other people want us to be, mm-hmm. um, by kind of what we assume must be true. Like, I remember when I learned that I don't like shopping. I was like, <laughs> I thought everybody liked shopping. It never occurred to me. I that don't. I like, we're on I, the same page. I, yeah. No, I'm like, I, yeah. So there's underbuyers and overbuyers. I'm like, I'm an underbuyer. I remember a friend of mine, I forget, she, like, she, like, joined a country club. Her family joined a country club. And I was like, how, how do you like that country club? And she says, oh, Gretchen. You know I hate the outdoors, and I was like, "Can a person hate the outdoors?" <laughs> right. I, it would seem <laughs> inconceivable to me, but here she was saying that, just like, "Oh yeah, what are you going to do?" I'm like, "Wow, that just huh. blows my mind." Right. <laughs> of course she can hate the outdoors. I I like the outdoors, but. But so I think it's very confusing. I think it can be very confusing. And it's also confusing because on the one hand, we want to accept ourselves. And on the other hand, we want to expect more from ourselves. Right. So we want to be true to our nature and accept what is true about our deepest self and, and accept that because there are some things that I am not and I will never be and let go of that. And sometimes that's painful to let go of that. But then also I want to expect more from myself. And I want to know what is what can I expect from myself? And again, no one can tell me that because only I know mm-hmm. because you know it's like public speaking is this something where you're like this is just so contrary to my nature that I just I, I just have to let it go or is it for as it is for many people something like it makes me really really nervous but I think if I did it enough I would chill out and it would be okay and so I'm going to work on that and and and, ex- and expect more for myself and do something that pushes me outside of my comfort zone um but for some people, there are just things where it's just it's just not who they are. I, I right. remember saying to somebody, it made because I was talking about the sadness of accepting who you are. And I said, it just kind of makes me sad that I'll know I will never go to a jazz club at midnight. And somebody <laughs> wrote to me on social media and they're like, Gretchen, you live in New York City. You could, you could absolutely go to j- a jazz club at midnight. And I was like, The thing is, I could go to a jazz club at midnight. (laughs) The problem is I will never want to go. And I want to be the kind of person who wants to go to a jazz club at midnight, but I'm not. And I don't want to just pretend like that is something that I have to worry about. mm -hmm. Let it go and think about what I want and what is true for me. Um, And that's very confusing. And I think it's something that we have to reflect on all. And it changes over time. So I think it's something that takes just constant reflection i i really i really think it's it's a crucial question but it's not an easy question
2: i don't understand what the big fat ones are you don't
4: put those inside of you do you i mean you do yes
1: this is a show about women I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
7: or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
5: Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating, to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all and then some. So grab your headphones, because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos, so don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Well, I actually love that you pointed out, though, that that's our lifelong journey. Yes. Isn't isn't that why we're all here? Yes. And as you said, it's going to change. It's going to evolve. So things like these 12 commandments help you to just stay in touch with that. Yes. Instead of just like losing touch.
0: Well, and it's interesting about the 12 commandments. This is a really fun exercise, I think, for anybody because it's not like things like make your bed. It's not about like, you know, go for a 20 minute walk every day. Mm-hmm. It's not these like it's more about what are the principles by which you want to live your life. And 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 I had 12, but there was no matter. That's just what I in the end, like I had more, I had less, I combined, I I said some things didn't didn't rise to the level. So you could have five, you could have 15. Right. I wouldn't have 30, but um, but to come up with your personal commandments, to really think about like what, how do you express your deepest aims for yourself in a kind of a succinct way? What's interesting about mine is that many of these are quotations from other people. There are things that people said to me that resonated so deeply that I'm like, oh, this is this is really, really important. Um, Or a quotation like one is from my spiritual teacher, um, St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, She said, when one loves, one does not calculate. And I, when I read that, I'm like, I'm a bean counter. I am a score keeper. If you took a nap today, I'd take a nap tomorrow. You know, and I'm like, that's no way to live. No calculation. <laughs> right. So you know. So part of it is like, what what does resonate with you? Like, what mm-hmm. do you find yourself kind of aiming for, or reflecting on, or reminding yourself of? These are things that I was like reminding myself of all the time, and I'm like, okay, these are. So these are my personal commandments. So it. it I mean, it took me months and months, but I have to say, I wrote that years and years ago, and I've never changed them because really? once I found them, they really have been my like sort of my true
2: my true guides. Um, yeah. But it's a
0: really interesting exercise to do for yourself.
2: Yeah, I love the point you made when you were talking about those, where you said, "I think again, I'm not going to word it wrong, but it was something about people aren't paying as much attention to your mistakes yes. as you yeah. are." Yeah, that one punk like pinged for me. Yeah, because I, I just constantly think, oh, they are just going to see all this stuff," and it's like nobody cares what you're yeah. doing. Really, we are yeah, so so that's called the spotlight
0: bias. The spotlight bias is being very well. It's that you feel like we feel like we're in the spotlight. We're very self conscious because we mm-hmm. think people are very aware of our mistakes or or mishaps or like, you know, like we spilled something on our t-shirt and it's just like you said, people aren't paying that much attention. Mm -mm. And also most people, they they, they got, they're more chilled than you think. You know, it's like if you trip on the way, you know, on your way upstate on stage, nobody's going to think about that for one more second. You know, you drop your papers, nobody cares. You take too long in the coffee shop line and everybody's rolling their eyes. It's like, they're not going to be thinking about it in 10 seconds from now, but you might feel terrible all day long. Right. 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 Part (laughs) is just to remember like you, in a way it's like, you're just not that important, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's comfort in that, you know, Mm -hmm. other people just aren't paying that much attention.
2: Well, I was going to ask you if you feel pressure as Gretchen Rubin to just be happy all the time, but mm. I feel like what I see in you is that you've kind of set up a system for living with yourself. And so even if you seem like, I mean, if even I would imagine if you're fluctuating between happiness or maybe not so happy moments, you have the tools now, which to me is what life is about.
0: Do you feel that? Absolutely. I do feel that way. And and you put it very well, like I do, I do feel sadness, annoyance, regret, guilt, boredom, frustration, all the, all those things. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's wrong for me to feel those or like somehow I like, like you were saying Chip earlier. I don't feel like it's part of my identity that I don't feel those, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I have a lot of tools now to to deal with it. So like, if I'm really in a bad mood, I'm like, okay, I got 10 things that I can do kind of in order of importance. And, and like, and, and, and I have a lot of ways to try to manage it in a way that's constructive. Um, I mean, one thing that a lot of times people do is you turn to a, an unhealthy treat. And so it's something that makes you feel better in the moment, but then it just makes you feel worse long-term. So I have, ha- I have a long list of healthy treats of things that I can do if I need a little lift or a little b- boost of energy, or like, what are the things that I know will always give me comfort? Um, I'm one of these, I'm like a real sleep zealot. And like a lot of times if I'm feeling really blue, I'm like, I just know myself. I know I'll feel better after a good night's sleep. And if I go to bed at eight thirty probably if I'm feeling really low, I'll be able to fall asleep And because fortunately for me, it has that effect. And then I'll feel better in the morning. So why don't I just kind of put this to the side? I'll have a night's sleep. And then in the morning, I'll deal with whatever it is and I'll probably be able to deal with it more constructively. So, because I think sometimes people, we know these tools, but we sort of, forget that we could use them. Or like mm-hmm. if people love music, one of the quickest, easiest ways to intervene in your mood is to listen to a, to an, uh, uh, like an upbeat song that you love. And so this is something that everybody has kind of in, even somebody who's not a music lover like me, I have a few songs that I love and it's like, but you have to think, oh, why don't I do that? Or it's like, I always get a lift when I walk around my neighborhood with my dog. Like I see my neighbors, I get some fresh air, I get the sun in my face. i like spend time with my dog. He's always so happy to go outside. Like just gives me a lift. It's like, okay, but you got to think of that. Think, Hey, why don't you grab the leash and grab your dog and go outside and go for a walk? Cause you know, that's going to make you feel better. I think sometimes we like, we, because we're just like you said, busyness, we're so busy or we just don't have the self-awareness to say like, wow, you know, I'm feeling really low. What is something that I could do not to minimize what I'm feeling or pretend like I'm not feeling it, but are there some small constructive things that maybe would help me manage, manage my feelings Um, more effectively, either by giving myself a quick lift so I can deal with a problem more effectively, giving myself more energy, giving myself more social support. Almost always like when we connect with somebody, even something like a sales clerk um, or a quick chat with a neighbor or like or a deeper connection with a friend or a family member or a coworker like these, these give us a feeling of engagement and comfort. But you have to say to yourself, okay, like what are, what are some tools? What might, what might I do? And it's, and again, it's not to pretend like you're not feeling bad or that you're, you're going to sweep it under the rug, but it's like, if I felt better, more energetic, more supported, I would probably be able to deal with this better. And Mm -hmm. to say, are there things low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. that I can do?
2: Yeah. We've mentioned multiple of your books, but you said the latest one is life in five senses. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that book? Oh my gosh,
0: every book I write, I think it's never going to be this good again because this is the most <laughs> fun book to write. And this book, oh my gosh, what a delightful book this was. So I went to the eye doctor one day. I had okay. eye, and he told me, "Oh, you know, be sure to come back for your uh, for your next for your regular appointment because as you know, you're more at risk of losing your vision." And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I did not know that. He said, oh yeah, you know, you're you're so nearsighted. You're at risk for getting a detached retina and that can, that can take away your vision. So be sure to come back. And I was like, and I have a friend who had lost some of his vision to a detached retina. So that felt very real to me. So I walked out onto the street and I realized I was taking all this for granted. Like I'm shocked by the prospect of losing my vision, but I didn't notice one thing around me as I was walking there in New York City And in a single moment, it was like every sight was sharpened. Every sound became, was like on a separate track. I could smell every smell in New York City, which is very smelly.
7: Like it all just flooded (laughs) into me.
0: And it was like this transcendent, almost psychedelic experience for my whole walk home. And that showed me that, you know, I've been studying happiness for years, but this showed me like, this is something that I have been, I've been stuck in my head. Mm. I've been lost in my own thoughts. I'm not connecting with the world around me, which also means that I'm not connecting as deeply with the people around me as I could. And I, uh, you know, I, I looked at my husband and I was like, when was the last time I really looked at him? Mm. you know? And so that's that made me realize, okay, I've got I need to focus on the five senses. And this was just such a delightful and, and, and for any, whatever aim you have to make yourself happier, healthier, more productive, more creative, there's a way to do it through the five senses. If you want to calm yourself down, you could think in, and and we all know the five senses. So it's easy to think of ideas. If I said, you want to calm down, use your five senses, you could think of ideas. If I said, yeah. you want to pump yourself up and give yourself more energy through the five senses, you would have ideas for that. If I said, you need to daydream and think outside the box, you could use the five senses. If I said, you need to buckle down and do that drudge work, you could use the five senses. If I said, mm. engage with the moment or connect with the past the five senses. And then it's super power to is connecting us with other people. So it's like any direction you want to go. And, and, it, and the thing I like about using the five senses is usually it feels, it's so concrete. It's that immersive feeling. It's that feeling of being inside the body. I think everybody's craving these days. It just feels playful and fun and manageable. Like I just, I, I it's just the happiest kind of, like space to be in. I mean, I I had all my friends, I had my friends over for a taste party and I had them all taste Heinz ketchup. And Heinz ketchup is like a magic food. It has all five tastes, sweet, sour, bitter, uh, salty and umami. That's very, very unusual that you can hit all five senses, all, all five tastes. And people were like, their mind. This is like bonkers to them. They were like, <laughs> this is amazing. This is so complex. This is so sophisticated. Now I understand like why it's a secret ingredient in so many foods because Heinz ketchup, there's a reason that we all have Heinz ketchup in our, because it's, 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 it's this exceptional experience mm-hmm. that we're all taking for granted. And it's right there. It's right in your fridge. There's packets of it in your glove box right this second. Like and, but if you would stop and just go taste it, a friend of mine was like, if I didn't know this was ketchup, I would think it was some like rare, super expensive, like imported ingredient because oh it's so God. complex. got to go
2: try this immediately. Go try it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you will see it's
0: uh, the mouthfeel, the, like the, the initial, the, the back, the way it yeah. I mean, it's, and then see if you can, if you can taste the sweet, the sour, the bitter, the salty, and the umami. I mean- The only, like some things hit four, like a margarita is four, but it doesn't have umami. It's very hard to have all five. What is umami? Um, I don't even know. Umami is, um, well, it's interesting that you don't know umami because that came, that's the most recent of the kind, in the West, we have five senses that we principally talk about. That's the most recent. It was identified in 1908 by a scientist. So it's pretty, it's a recent... Umami is kind of heartiness or meatiness. So mm. tomato sauce has umami. Meat has umami. Mushrooms have umami. Okay, it's like that feeling of like savoriness. It's mm-hmm. kind of like heartiness. So you know, ketchup feels substantial. It feels like it feels like a like a hearty feeling. Whereas something else um, might not might not have that umami. Like lemonade doesn't have umami, okay, right? Like yeah. it doesn't. It it feels thin. It feel mm-hmm. it doesn't have that heartiness. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of senses. There are a lot of tastes that people are arguing for. Like, so there are all these sort of like wannabes that pe- some people are arguing for. But these are the big. These are the these are the big five the right now five. that we've all accepted. Yeah.
2: Well, I will put the description. That will put the link for that book and all Gretchen's books in the description of this podcast. You can find them on her website. On her website, you can also find a link to the Happier app and the Happier podcast. Yes. So will you tell us what the listeners will find in both of those?
0: Okay. The Happier app is this. So I, one thing we didn't talk about at all is I have this personality framework that divides people into four categories, upholders, questioners, obligers, oh, and rebels. Yes. Okay. And that tells you a lot about like how you can most effectively manage your habits or deal with conflict or or if you know someone else's tendency, it can help you like work with them more effectively, which I think is even more interesting to people, yeah, is how totally. to get other people to do what you want. Um Uh, so, um, so the happier app uses that framework to help you figure out what habit formation tools are most likely to work with you. So you don't have to just throw spaghetti against the walls, but it has, but you can use any of the tools. So there's like a one sentence journal, don't break the chain, a photo journal, accountability partners. Plus it has like quotations and jumpstarts. There's a lot going on there to help people stick to their happier boosting habits. So that's the happier app. Um, and then my podcast is called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. It's a weekly podcast. My co-host is my sister Elizabeth Kraft. She's the clutter blind one. She's a Hollywood <laughs> showrunner, um, okay. so she's got a big Hollywood job. And so there we talk about kind of cutting edge science and the wisdom of the ages, suggestions from our listeners and from our own experiences about how to be happier. And it's very kind of practical. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I feel like all of your tools are actually really practical, like the tangible yeah. step I love having like a list of things or like the actual yeah. steps or paying attention to the senses you're just getting in your body. Like that all right. feels very practical and tangible to me. Well,
0: I don't know about you, but I get very frustrated when people talk in abstractions where I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, but I just am not understanding. But how do I do it? How, you
2: know, starting <laughs> yeah, Starting tomorrow,
0: what would I do differently? Exactly. And so I like it when people are like, here's 15 things. Yes. Choose two. Um, because a lot of times, um, and we see this with our listeners is like, it's something that is very easy and even fun, but it just never occurred to you. Like, it's just like a new idea that you're like, oh, I could, I could do that. Or like somebody points something out, like, you know. Um, like one thing that we do on the podcast is, uh, we do what's called like a 23 for 23 list. So for, for 22, it was 22 for 22. You just make a list of 23 things you want to get done in 2023. And then we do it at the beginning of the year. We check in at the halfway day, which is July 2nd. And then at the end, and it's just like, just by writing them down and checking the list a couple of times, you're much more likely to get those things done. And it's like, yeah once but nobody it's kind of fun that it incorporates the the year but then people do funny things like they'll do they'll do it's I want to do five things because it's two plus three or whatever um and it's like you just need somebody to suggest that because it's right. not like it's not like it's so out of the out of the box and it's not like you couldn't do it yourself if it, you thought of it but you just never did think of it and once somebody says it it's like oh hmm. I could do that that's yeah. like fun
2: yeah, exactly. Well, you guys go check it out. This conversation has made me very happy. So okay. me too. thank you, Gretchen, for being Excellent. here.
6: I feel like I that so means I so enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, me too.
2: You guys go check out GretchenRubin.com for all your happiness toolkits. And Gretchen, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. I was so happy to be part of this conversation.
6: <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah.
4: And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird?
3: Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor.
4: And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow.
3: I sure did.
4: Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Sandberg. That's it. That's really
5: it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio.
4: and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself.
3: Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.